As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. is Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom with your host, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. Dr. Janet explores the meanings of our challenging and ecstatic life experiences, clarifies the meanings of words we use, opens up our minds to more freedom and choice, and offers insights into our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. We are back, Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. My guest today is Tiffany Toombs. I'm your hostess, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. You are listening on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. So, Tiffany, I'm, I've never formally trained in NLP, but a lot of what I do is also working with neuro-linguistic programming. And I have read at least the first chapter of John Grinder and Carmen Bostic St. Clair's book, Whispering in the Wind. Are you familiar with that uh, that book? Have you read that at all or not? Not with that one, but I have read some of other, some of Bandler and Grinder's other work. Okay, in that book, Whispering in the Wind, this was a, an eye-opener for me that came from a book. John Grinder and Carmen Bostic St. Clair talk about a concept called first access. And that is the idea that there are certain um, light waves that our neurology cannot see. There are certain sounds that human ears or human neurology cannot hear. But, for example, that uh, scientific studies have shown that dogs can hear. So 
Mm-hmm. Our, neur- our neurology is already limiting what we can know. And I use that, I put that term know in quotes. So there's certain information that is totally inaccessible to us. And in fact, if you look at the diagram of the Johari window, which I a friend just pointed me to the other day, it's fascinating because it's it's a square divided into quadrants, just like Ken Wilber's AQUAL diagram. But there's a quadrant in that Johari window where neither we ourselves nor other people know anything. And I think that is whatever lies beyond this first access that our our neurology is capable of experiencing. So that, to me, that made sense. And I thought, okay, I don't know. And nobody else knows either. So maybe I can just play with my own life, decide what I'm going to do with my own life, and shape it the way I choose to shape it in relationship to other people. And yes, I can choose the words. And and the theory in Whispering in the Wind is that after we, we begin with this very limited um physical experience that we're, our bodies are capable of processing, then we impose linguistic concepts on that influx of sensory data, and we chop it up into parts, high, low, good, bad, right, wrong, uh, uh, high, low. Uh, we separate and divide. We use our words to separate, divide, and it's really useful sometimes but it can also be very traumatic when we use our words to abuse other people. And if our words shape our emotions and our conduct, and we become aware of that, then we can change that and we can choose the words that energetically we want to use in any given situation in the present moment to shift that dynamic. So you have any comments about that at all? Yeah. So it sounds like the book that you read, you definitely, you jumped into like the quantum mechanics side of things. There's still so much about the body and the mind that we don't know. Um, And ultimately, what we look at within NLP, like you were saying, is that our our perception of events going on, like you and me could look at the exact same piece of art, and you may perceive it as beautiful or bright or vibrant or majestic, and I might see it as dark or negative in some way, and neither of us are wrong in our perceptions. And so just like people put filters on their Facebook and their Instagram photos, we filter our life through the beliefs that we have, the experiences that we've had, and the emotions that we're holding on to. And so oftentimes, the the power in NLP comes from realizing that we actually have a lot more choice than what we often think that we have. And so when we start to realize that there is no one reality, I think we kind of learn very young people are like, get realistic or get with reality. When in truth, none of us have the exact same reality. We all have completely different realities 
that are based on our perception of the events that are happening around us, which is based on the beliefs and the experiences that we've had. And so much like my experience of healing, when I changed the angle that I was looking at my experiences from, it changed how I perceived those events, which allowed me to let go of the trauma and the limiting belief and the negative emotions that were attached to it because now I understood it from a different angle. So where I think a lot of people get stuck in life is that, especially in 2020, we're seeing people have this, no, my way is right, and if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong or you're ignorant or you're dumb. And when we start realizing that people are looking at the exact same thing as us from different angles and from different experiences, and if we were in other people's angle or other people's positioning, then we could all grow a whole lot faster and truly actually unlock our potential. Exactly. And then we shift from abusing one another to listening to one another and shifting our own worldview. You know, can we see the world from another person's perspective? Can we understand what they've been through and their own challenges? And it seems then that we we really shift into both self-compassion and other compassion. And it's only when we have that dynamic going on that together we can listen to one another, speak as clearly as possible, and create and co-create and manifest truly a peaceful, powerful, prosperous planet, Um, which, of course, is one of my focuses right now. We are Dancing with Words, uh, Dancing with Wisdom today, the we being my guest, Tiffany Toombs. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. You're listening on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. Dr. R.C. will share extraordinary resources and services that promote educational success as well as making a difference in the lives of all social workers as well as the lives of children, adolescents, and teens of today. She will have open discussions addressing many of the issues that we face about our youth and how being employed in the uniquely skilled profession of social work for over 18 years has taught invaluable lessons through her personal experiences. She will also provide real-life facts, examples, and personal stories that will confirm that why serving as a child advocate is extremely beneficial when addressing the needs of the whole child. Listen live Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network and tune in radio as Dr. R.C. will provide thought-provoking information that will empower, encourage, and strengthen students, families, and communities across our nation. You can also visit her at soarwithkatie.com. French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. 
With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Sheikh Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ugmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy sense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation we are back dancing with words dancing with wisdom my guest today is tiffany toombs I'm your hostess, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. You are listening on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. So my stepmom had left me on the side of the road for dead. The first time I begged for my life was at seven. And that happened a couple more times uh, between the ages of seven and 10. And then when I was 10, my biological dad decided to move with her to the other side of the country. So this set in all these abandonment things. Um, And as I'm sure you can believe, a whole bunch of beliefs around my worth and what I deserved in relationships. And so I went from toxic relationship to toxic relationship. When I finished college, I moved to Australia and I was about 28 years old when everything came to a head. I had been dating someone for three years. We had just put an offer in on a block of land Uh, He told me that he had been secretly saving money and had $50,000 set aside to build our dream home together. Uh, He was about to go away for a new job interview um, to make the money and to give me the life that I deserved. I dropped him off at the airport, went home, took a pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant. And within a couple hours, I found out that I had not dropped him off 
for a job interview <clears throat> at the airport, but rather I had dropped him off to go see his girlfriend in another state. And so my life slowly started unraveling. And I found out that everything pretty much he had told me in the three years, including the $50,000 bank statement that he showed me was a lie. Um, and so in the stress of everything that was happening, I ended up losing the baby. I hadn't told any of my friends or family that I was pregnant. And so I was, I was too humiliated with the cheating and everything that when I lost the baby, I went through that completely alone. And I was attempting to portray that I was okay and that I was moving on with my life and that I didn't care. And inside I was dying. And I left one Friday, I left a business meeting in downtown Melbourne, which is a city of about 5 million people. And there's all these people around me laughing and smiling and making plans for the weekend and talking about where they're going to have drinks that night. And all I could think about was how I didn't know how this pain inside me was ever going to stop. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but what I did see was a taxi coming towards me. And I decided in that moment that if I took one well-timed step, that all my pain would go away and then it would look like an accident. So mentally I committed to taking that step. And when the taxi got to the point where I needed to take a step, my feet were like frozen to the ground. They were cement blocks. And so as the taxi passed, it took the lung, the air out of my lungs with it. And I realized that, I had almost just done something very final and that for my entire life, I'd been sweeping all this pain and trauma under the rug, assuming that it was just a little pile of dirt, but it had grown into this huge mountain that I actually had to face and I had to deal with now. And so that really started me on my own healing journey, which ultimately led me to discovering that I have a gift for helping other people heal their trauma. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow, is all I can say. And yet your experience is quite similar to many of my own, uh, except that my childhood was not abusive as yours was. But yeah, I, um, I keep thinking of that phrase from the Christian Bible, the sins of the fathers are visited on the children. And I'm just listening to your story, and I'm thinking, first of all, your stepmother was abused, and, and you didn't even go into why your parents separated. Um, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, your biological parents at some point separated. And how old were yeah. you then? How old were you then? So my mom left my biological dad when I was three months because he was actually verbally abusive to her. And so the whole time she was pregnant with me, um, he was telling her that she was fat, she was ugly, no one would ever want her if she left. Um, I, I'm actually born on New Year's Eve. I was born first thing in the morning, like 1.30 in the morning. And I'm my mom's first child. You know, she's just had this like intense labor. She's laying there recovering stitched up and my biological dad came into the hospital room around like four or five in the afternoon and said, okay, get up, get ready. Cause I want to go to some, to some new year's Eve parties. And oh, so, for heaven's sakes. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah, really. So, yeah. So my mom ended up leaving him because she knew that that was not going to be a good life for me. 
Um, he ended up stalking her. He broke into our apartment three times in the middle of the night and held a, a knife to her throat. And because the police never caught him in action, they never could do anything about it. And she eventually, she ended up meeting my stepdad when I was six months old. So, um, but the courts mandated that every second weekend I had to go and see him. And so uh, that, that was just the way that it was. He, he never abused me, um, but he definitely did my mom. Where do we go with this? I mean, how do we heal this abuse of conduct? I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, your mother was abused as a child. Or no, your mother was abused. I don't know whether she was abused as a child, but she certainly was abused in her marriage uh, while you were a very small child and she just couldn't stay. And then your stepmother was abused and your father was abusive toward your mother and your stepfather, I think, was abusive toward you. So, yeah, you're talking about the trauma of being abandoned as a child and you're you're seven years old and your stepmother takes you out and tells you, she drops you off and tells you you're going to be killed. My gosh. I mean, seven yeah. years old. I am amazed that you even survived all this trauma and abuse. And yet I, too, have been through a lot of it in my own life. So I know how um, brutal it is to be on the receiving end of that kind of conduct and speech. And how do you survive? And you were at a point where you truly were thinking of just ending it all because the suffering was so very intense. And of course, suffering is a word that the Buddhists use a lot. Um, So my gosh, I am so impressed with you, Tiffany, and the very strong woman you have become, despite all this trauma and abuse. How in the world did you ever heal? I think that's the next conversation on this. I'm thinking, yeah, toxic relationship after toxic relationship. And then you you got pregnant by a man who was lying to you and then going off and having an affair with another woman. What kind of a father is that? What kind of a man is that? who would treat a woman so disrespectfully instead of being there to protect that woman and protect the child he had fathered, he just somehow thought it didn't matter. Well, it does matter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. (laughs) Were you going to I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, so my, my stepdad was actually amazing. Like he he took me in and has treated me like I was his own from the beginning. Um, and people who have met us later in the journey who did, who don't know my story, 
before they find it out, they always think that I'm his blood daughter. So when, I mean, my, my therapist said the same thing to me when I started going to therapy after I almost stepped in in front of that taxi, she said, I don't know how you're so well adjusted. And honestly, the only answer I can think of is that I did have my mom and my stepdad who created this amazing life for me when I wasn't in those situations. So my, my childhood was very split and it became this, it, it almost like there, there was a point where I felt like I was going crazy because I felt like I had this split personality where sometimes I was totally okay. And then sometimes these like inner demons in my mind would come up telling me how worthless I was and how I didn't deserve anything. And so I think a lot of that split also came from how my childhood was where some of the time I was safe and I was secure and I was loved. And then some of the times I was being abused by and neglected by the people who were supposed to love me and protect me. So let's talk a little bit about these inner demons of the mind, because I would, I would be willing to bet that is a good has been a good part of your own healing journey. Please join us when we come back. We're dancing with words, dancing with wisdom in boy, going deep into the unconscious and subconscious mind. Uh, My guest today is Tiffany Toombs. I'm your hostess, Dr. Jenna Smith-Warfield. You're listening on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. Have you ever felt like no one is listening or you're not getting the honest attention you deserve? Do you even know the kind of attention you want or need? You are not alone. Alice Aspen March is here to help. Thanks to Alice, through her epiphany and research over the word attention, there are solutions to the attention dilemma. Worldwide audiences have been enthralled and engaged for over 40 years with her visionary and pioneering observations. The kind of attention we get and give is vital to improving our lives and society. Alice and her weekly guests review game-changing insights for transforming and improving our understanding of attention, providing techniques for creating healthier and empowering behavior. Get a new perspective on a mainstream word. Tune into Why Our Attention Matters for fresh and thought-provoking conversations every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on BoldBraveMedia.com and the TuneIn Radio app. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy easysense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation
Escape from Hell, A Woman's Story is a passionate book that tells the true story of author Rhonda Knudsen's journey through the darkness and adversity of abuse. The book takes readers on an emotional trail from the depths of the despair to the heights of forgiveness and understanding. She was inspired to help others, and her book is a vital tool through this process. Faithful to God and devotional to her beacon of hope, Rhonda Knudsen is a perfect example of finding a guiding light that helped her come through the dark and into the light. Her book can assist you in overcoming your challenges with abuse. The publication of Escape from Hell, A Woman's Story is a triumphant achievement, and it can help you take ownership of your own experience of abuse and come through stronger than before. Rhonda is currently working on two more books, Shadows of Corruption and Coast to Coast on a Piece of Toast. To read more about this inspiring author and purchase her books, visit RhondaKnutson.com or go to www.amazon.com. Welcome back. We're Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. My guest today, Tiffany Toombs. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. So, Tiffany, we were starting to talk about these inner demons in the mind. And you were talking a little bit about it felt as if you almost had a split personality. But then you had a very split life. You had part of your life which was horribly abusive and dysfunctional I mean for a poor child in that situation I I just can't imagine what that must have been like but on the other hand then when your mother married your stepdad your life became a lot more functional and you had a not a biological father but a stepfather who was very kind and supportive to you. But let's go back and and focus on these inner demons of the mind. Talk to us a little bit about that. As adults, 95% of the belief systems that we carry around were created between the ages of zero and seven. And those were the predominant years of my abuse. And then the way that the child mind is between zero and seven is that we're very self-referential, which means that everything that happens to us, we believe happens because of us. So for me, it wasn't a case of, well, my, you know, my stepmom was abused. She was a domestic, a three times, a three time domestic violence survivor. So she had her own stuff. She had her own wounds and she was bleeding on me, creating more wounds. It was, She's abusing me because I'm not good enough. She's abusing me because I'm not worthy. She's abusing me because the world would be better without me. And that became the self-talk that I took into every friendship, every relationship, and then eventually even into business partnerships. I ended up being in business with two narcissists at the same time, which was also plenty of fun. Um, And so... But I carried, I ended up in all these toxic relationships where I didn't have boundaries, where I couldn't say no to people, where I would just settle for whatever attention and love that I could get because I genuinely believed that I wasn't worthy and that no one would want me. And so if a man was paying attention to me, then I just needed to accept whatever it was that I was getting because if I let go of that, nothing better was going to come along. I get it. Um, and I'm thinking how much of this was just your personal experience and how much of it was actually culturally conditioned in some respects. Uh, for, 
at least 2,000 years, maybe longer, men have culturally been considered superior to women or the ones that are making the rules and in control and the women are the followers and the supporters and to some extent I think women women are naturally nurturers they're certainly nurturers when they bear a child that they truly want to bear in partnership with a responsible caring uh partner father but if you don't have that everything goes haywire it seems to me so you know I'm thinking too I for years I personally I felt conditioned into that kind of a cultural conditioning where my role in life was to support the the man I had married and nurture our children But uh, I've mentioned this before, we got into a group marriage, which I would never, ever do again. And um, the man who had made vows to me, whom I believed meant those vows and was supposed to be there to protect the woman to whom he had made vows and the children that together they had brought into this world. He was off more involved, more dedicated to his sexual relationship with the other woman than he was to his marital vows and the the woman to whom he had made them and the woman he got pregnant three times and his children. So, boy... And, and like you, I, I, I think I took responsibility for it. It was, you know, what was I doing wrong? What did I need to change in myself? And I was there to support him as much as I could. But it hit a point when it was so painful, I could no longer support his conduct. So... If, and it seems to me this is almost endemic throughout our whole society. How do we heal this? How did you heal? Tell us your story about that. So I first found a whole lot of things that didn't work. So I went to therapy initially, and not that therapy doesn't work for, I know it, it's very successful for a lot of people. And for me, I just found that and maybe it it was the therapist that I was working with. So we opened up a whole lot of wounds. We opened up a whole lot of doors that had been locked shut for so long. And after thousands of dollars spent and session after session, she was like, there, don't you feel so much better? And I was like, no, like all Mm. this stuff that I'd pushed down, now I'm feeling. And she was like, well, you know, you just need to talk about it more. You need to go and tell your mom and you need to tell your dad. Um, And, you know, that just, further exacerbated their guilt um, that they had (laughs) for what I had experienced. So then that just made me feel like crap. I went to more, uh, I went to seminars and I haven't been to Tony Robbins, but I went to that style of seminar where there's a lot of loud music and hugging and, you know, high fives and you feel awesome when you're there and then you leave and you feel alone and isolated and you realize you don't really have any tools to change your life. So I hired life coach after life coach 
and they kept telling me, you can't change the past, just focus on your future. And I was like, that's literally what I've spent 28 years doing. And it, you know, made me this, you know, this obsessive overachiever, but it hasn't actually, like it almost killed me. And so there's stuff there. I have to figure out how to heal it. That ultimately led me into finding NLP and a form of hypnosis called matrix therapies. And those were the game changers for me where I got to do the emotional releases. I got to do the inner child healing. I got to look at the experiences that I had from a completely different point of view and realize that just because I was the one being abused didn't mean that I was the one who caused the abuse. It wasn't my fault. Um, right. And, and, you know, even looking at things from a soul level, maybe my soul gave me those experiences so that I could overcome them and show other people how to climb that mountain but it still wasn't my fault and it didn't, it didn't justify anybody's behavior in those situations. And so it was, it was through looking at the situations through a different lens, being able to release the emotion, being able to just validate how I feel. And with my clients now, I find that a lot of people attempt to invalidate how they feel. And I, if you had have asked me 10 years ago, have you ever been abused? I would have said no, because in my <laughs> mind, because it wasn't happening 24 seven, because I didn't have bruises or scars to show because it, because somebody else had it worse than me, it meant that I wasn't abused. So one of my biggest passions today is helping people understand that trauma comes in all forms and we can't judge our trauma from our adult mind because it wasn't the adult mind that faced that situation. It was the child's mind. And so whatever we face, whatever emotions we feel are perfectly valid and just to give ourselves space to feel those emotions, those emotions so that we can process them fully. So let's talk about some of these emotions that come up in these challenging situations. For example, mm -hmm. let's talk about fear or terror. What do you have to say about mm -hmm. that? I mean, in my own life, it stopped me for so long. It kept me in relationships where I was afraid to set boundaries with anybody. I was afraid that if I set a boundary, people would leave and I'd be totally rejected. Um, it stopped me from, because the abuse with my stepmom always happened when I was in the spotlight or when I was performing. I started dancing when I was three, so I'm a natural performer. And it was whenever the spotlight was on me and not her that the abuse happened. So I had learned <laughs> to stop shining my light. And so I, there was a point where, like, I was, you know, used to dance, used to perform at the drop of a hat. And then I became so introverted and inside of myself. I remember in junior high school, I won a snowboarding jacket. And I had to walk up on stage in front of the entire school and accept this jacket. And I am surprised that I did not trip and fall over myself. Like I was numb the whole way up there because I was so terrified of being in that position of spotlight. And now I do it all the time. I speak on stages in front of thousands of people. And so I don't have that issue now, but it held me back for so long where I didn't want to be in the spotlight. I was, I, you know, I stopped acting and stopped taking drama classes, but started working behind the scenes. So I could still be involved with the play without actually being on stage. And so I became this like behind the stage ghost that nobody saw, 
just to feel like I was still somehow pursuing what I was passionate about or somehow still being able to, to do things that I had some passion in. And so fear and terror of, I, I find like, even with my clients now, the biggest fears are fear of success. Like if I reach that level of success, who's going to come for me? A lot of people have a fear of like being too much. I'm seeing recently a lot of people who've been told that they're too much. Stop being so loud. You're too loud. You're too much. You have too much energy. You're just too this. And that puts people into a box. And that, that was ultimately why and how I came up with the title for my book is I kept being told over and over when I followed my dreams that I was being selfish. And even when I moved back to Canada and decided to start my coaching business, I had family and friends telling me, like, you'd make a great receptionist. Nobody's going to pay you to talk about their feelings. <laughs> and I realized that, like, I've seen the change that I can make. I've seen the change that I can make. And if I don't share that with people, then I'm not changing people's lives. And that's truly selfish. And that is such an important statement. You are listening to Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. My guest today, Tiffany Toombs. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folk Style Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the B. BBM Global Network. Across three continents, born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Chef Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Uvmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoub.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. 
Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. Master of words, powerful player. What life-changing words can Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield pull out of her magical toolbox that just might mysteriously open a door you never knew was there? A door to free yourself from fear forever. Transform your rage into right action. Release your guilt. Position you into a life of freedom, purpose, passion, power, and peace. All quite suddenly, unexpectedly, and almost miraculously, with no effort on your part. Join Dr. Janet every Monday at noon Eastern on Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom on the BBM Global Network as she and her guests show you how words map our experiences, immersing you in a sound bath that relaxes your muscles, opens your mind, and supports you in co-creating your extraordinary life. We are back. We're Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. The we today is my guest, Tiffany Toombs. I'm your hostess, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. So, Tiffany, let's focus a little bit on your own healing journey. I know you told me or you told us that you'd tried a lot of things that didn't work uh, or they didn't fully work, uh, therapy, seminars, life coaches, and then finally you got to NLP and matrix theory, and that really did help. And I'll just add, you spent thousands of dollars paying all these therapists and coaches and people who set themselves up as experts, and yet their solutions weren't working for you, or at least they weren't fully working. Maybe they helped in certain arenas, but they didn't really cure you. So talk to us a little bit about NLP and how that particular process or understanding supported you and helped you heal. So, yeah, so it it was a combination of NLP and hypnosis. And so with the hypnosis, the matrix therapies, it allows us to go in and the only way that we can truly let go of an emotion from our body and from our mind is to have an experience of it. And having to feel those negative emotions is oftentimes what stops people from healing. And that had stopped me in the past. I didn't want to feel all this, you know, gross, crappy emotion coming up. And so when we go into the matrix therapies hypnosis, it's a very controlled short period of time that we have that emotion. And we can also do some inner child work. So for me, 
with my stepmom, that seven-year-old could come out and say the things that she needed to say. She could experience the emotions that she needed to experience. And what I learned through my NLP journey is that when we have extreme emotional events, and they don't even have to be extreme, but they can be significant emotional events for the child's mind. Part of our psyche, part of our mentality actually gets stuck at that age. And so let's say the first time you felt anger, you were two years old, part of your psyche gets stuck at two years old. So when we see people having road rage, that's not how an adult responds to sitting in traffic or being cut off. That's how that's a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum for not getting what they wanted. And so oftentimes when we get stuck in our adult life, it's because we're attempting to solve a problem. And logically we think that we're wanting to solve it from our age now, but emotionally and unconsciously we're actually responding from that child age. And so with what I love about the matrix therapies is that it's so all encompassing that me as I am now can release and experience and say whatever I needed to say back then. But also we can bring out the inner children they can say what they needed to. They can have the emotional release that they needed to so that that part of our psyche can grow up essentially and we're not stuck in different places. And that was really where I learned that that like where I felt like I had that split personality was that's what was happening is I had my psyche was stuck at all these different ages when I experienced all these extreme emotional events or adverse had these adverse experiences as a kid and I was attempting to solve adult situations from like a seven-year-old mindset or a five-year-old mindset. Mm. So how did you shift that? Just by allowing yourself to sob, allowing yourself to become extremely angry, allowing yourself to stand up and speak your truth? Yeah, and so in the process, we, we just ask, like, what did this person need to say? We do a process. The unconscious mind is very symbolic, and it doesn't know the difference between fiction and reality. And so if I was to say to you, you know, ask your 7-year-old what tools, what inner tools they needed during that time, and let's say you tell me you needed self-love and confidence, and I you know, go through a process where I say, imagine yourself now receiving these tools of, or the seven-year-old receiving these tools of self-love and confidence, your unconscious mind doesn't know that that didn't really happen. And so <laughs> when we're in this state of hypnosis, our unconscious mind is highly suggestible to accepting those things. And then the unconscious mind goes, okay, well now I have self-love and confidence and it changes the way that you behave. So I mean, my life dramatically turned around. We, I've seen people reverse type 2 diabetes. I've seen women let go of guilt and trauma that has allowed them to fall pregnant. I've seen marriages been saved. People stop having panic attacks. Uh, my clients have come off of antidepressant and anti-anxiety medications, obviously under the supervision of their doctors. Um, start businesses, grow businesses to six figures or seven figures. So once we start to let go so many people wake up every day and they're still carrying all this baggage from the past, which is like strapping a lead ball to their ankle and then trying to run a marathon of life and wondering why they have no energy. And so when we start to let go of all of this stuff, we have more energy, we have more creativity, we have more just mental space to process information and it becomes a whole lot easier to live the life 
live life the way that we want to. Is this a space that we uh, shift into consciousness space? And I'm using words very loosely here, but I can't think of anything better right now to say. Is this a consciousness space that where you need that you need to do alone or in relationship with other people? And if in relationship with other people, are you consciously seeking out people who will support you rather than people who will abuse you? So it can be done alone. Um, I think, I, I mean, as, as a species, we're not wired to be alone. We're wired for that connection. And I think any time that you find someone that you feel does truly love and support you, that any journey becomes infinitely easier. So I, you do, you do, I personally think it's easier to go on the journey when you have support and it definitely has to be with somebody who's open-minded. And so oftentimes that's not going to be our direct family. Um, you know, my brothers have said to me when I first started sharing my story, my brothers who are my half brothers, they're a little bit annoyed. Like you didn't have a terrible childhood. And I'm like, I've never said that I had a terrible childhood. I said I had two very different childhoods. And so their understanding was how could you have not shared this? If it, you know, if, if things happened, like you said, they did, how could we not have known for 28 years? And so oftentimes our healing journey can't be done with the people closest to us and we need to find some external support systems whether that's um, finding a support group or friends who don't have an emotional attachment to anything that we say so that we can fully experience the emotion in the way that we need to without having to worry about other people's feelings there's so much you're touching on here tiffany um i'm thinking how my own journey has actually shifted to distancing myself from genetic members of my family. And it's probably because I have been there supporting them for years and years and years, and it feels as if actually I've been thrown under the bus. And of course, uh, and, and you know, my sons are all wonderful people. So, but they've been through their own trauma because of what went on between their father and me and continues to this day. And I know I'm at a point where for years I enabled it because I didn't want my to put my sons in the middle between their father and their mother. But I'm at a point where I am not willing to enable a dysfunctional family dynamic anymore. And it may mean that I actually have to to separate myself or be willing to separate myself from other family members who have caused so much trauma in my life. So let's give you an opportunity to finish up here. Um, you have any comments about that? To me, it, it is a present moment awareness. Let's talk a little bit about that as to how you navigate right here, right now. 
I think ultimately everything starts with self-awareness and recognizing that, you know, where you are now doesn't have to be what your future looks like. And if we want to change our future, then we have to make different decisions in the now. And that doesn't mean that we have to blame ourselves for what has happened. We just have to recognize we can't carry that, that chip on our shoulder anymore, or, you know, we have to make some changes, whether that's setting boundaries, removing people from our life. And ultimately that's, that's that kind of entry step into moving into healing, into being more present in the now and to just ultimately finding the life that we want. And if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, uh, perhaps work directly with you to heal their own lives, where can they reach you? How can they get in touch? So I have a Facebook group where I do a free training every single Friday morning with free worksheets and activities that you can do to help you start making some shifts on your own at home. So people can join there at, if they go to www.successsecretsgroup.com, you can join us in there and get that training. And then otherwise, you can check out my website, www.bluelotusminds.com, and that will link to all of my other social media. Thank you, Tiffany, so much for being my guest today. Uh, My guest next week will be Carmen Vitrucci, who is an international business igniter. And she, like you, Tiffany, is telling the audience you have the power to design the life you want. And it's all about mindset mastery and action-taking tactics that can help you achieve professional, personal, and financial success to live your passion. And she thrives on developing and supporting you. And it sounds to me that's very similar to what you do and what I do as well. So join us next week on Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. I'm your hostess, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. You're listening on BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. This has been Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom with your host, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield. Listen each week as Dr. Janet uses words in atypical ways to shift you into experiences beyond words and transforming turmoil into inner peace. Here on Dancing with Words, Dancing with Wisdom. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.